A Kansas math teacher was fined over resigning over critical race theory and mask mandates. Hundreds protest mask and vaccine mandates in Oklahoma and in Los Angeles, and Biden pulls troops out of Afghanistan, and the Taliban takes over almost immediately. We're going to get into all this and more in just one second, but please drop us a like, subscribe to the notifications on every single day. If you can, go listen to Flip the Show, the Joey Saladino Show, and all the podcast apps. Go there, subscribe right now. Now let's get right into it. So a Kansas math teacher fined after resigning over critical race theory and mask mandates. An elementary school teacher in Kansas recently resigned from his job after the school added mask requirements for unvaccinated teachers and pushed critical race theory. He was then fined by the school district. So the, the, the teacher explains that that was the final straw. After the school district sent an email out late July renewing a mask mandate for students and unvaccinated employees. Um, he worked at the elementary school and was told that he would have to pay a liquidation penalty of $1,000 for resigning after the deadline in his contract. This is not the first time he's been frustrated with the school. The district spent $400,000 on deep equity critical race theory training for its teachers. And in, in an interview with Fox, the teacher said, I can't believe the lack of transparency with curriculums, teachers training, and class activities based on training and top-down regulations used to indoctrinate tools. As a quote, why would the school system uh, want, wouldn't, why, why won't, wouldn't the school, the public school system want the parents to know everything that child is being exposed to? Why aren't the parents being asked before these decisions are being made? And when they do, why do, why do the board decisions not match the data on the surveys? He also explained that this is frustrating that the school during the pandemic, noting that during remote teaching, district leaders did not give parents or teachers a sense of control or accountability uh, where we could help students succeed. Succeed. Um, on top of his resignation, he decided to remove his children from the school district this year to be homeschooled. I am not going to continue to have my kids bossed around by these people and have no power as a parent and no power as a teacher, and my kids have no say. The school district rejected his appeal to the fine, so a GoFundMe page was uh, was created. Now, I have... I want to know what your thoughts are on that, and I have to say, you know, you got to respect somebody's stance. Um, you know, the, he's he's making a stance and saying, you know, he's a very principled sta stance. My problem with that is, um, all that they're going to do now is replace this teacher with a hardcore radical leftist. And I could be wrong in this, but I don't know if jumping ship and leaving kids to fend for themselves and just get indoctrinated into leftist ideology is the right way to go about it. Whereas you can either stay and make sure whatever you're teaching isn't too much of a leftist propaganda garbage, or you can be teaching the critical race theory, but then say, you know, this is not right. You can, you, you know what I mean? They're, they're away and you can just do it until you get fired, I guess. But by leaving and jumping ship and saying, well, I'm leaving, uh, enjoy your radical leftist uh, teacher that's going to be teaching you why white people are evil, see you later. It's like, what? Like, you kind of just left us all here to suffer. I, I, I would prefer there being at least one or two true conservative teachers in a pool of leftists, and you can do the best you can to make sure that the kids at least you're teaching is not being completely indoctrinated. 
Or you can use your influence as a teacher as much as possible. Maybe try to whip up the other teachers into a protest, into a frenzy. You know, there, there, are, there are ways to do things. See, like it's there are ways to do things from the inside out. And I think it's more effective to do things from the inside out than from the outside in. And I would say doing things from the inside out would be having our own sleeper cell, our own agent on the inside, giving us the inside scoop, making sure that at least the kids he's talking to aren't being indoctrinated, getting the chatter amongst teachers, maybe talking to some teachers here and there and trying to get them convinced and get them on your side. Like There, there are ways you can work it from the inside to do a good but just jumping ship and leaving kids to fend for themselves with the radical leftist professor, it's like, congrats, you didn't like the situations you were in. You don't want to teach critical race theory because it's evil and bad, but somebody else is just going to do it now. And they're going to do it in a way that's going to super indoctrinate the kids. At the very least, you can do it in a way that won't indoctrinate the kids. You know, you got, this is the thing is, you might, people might disagree with me, but guess what? What I'm saying would be a net positive, and what he's doing is a net negative. And there's no, there's no ways around that, unless he's going to go start his own public school, unless he's going to start a homeschooling thing for, for kids for free, because this is public school. Parents aren't paying for their kids to go to public school, so I doubt they'll be able to afford a private, a private homeschooler. So if he's going to go off and do it for free for all of his students or anybody who wants to do it, yeah, good. That's a net positive in my opinion, but I don't think he's doing that because that would require him doing it for free unless there's somehow a school voucher system that he can work on, but I, I don't think there is. So, hey, what he just did is a net negative for society and what I just proposed is a net positive. And guess what? There's, there's, <laughs> there's no arguing about what I just said at all. You can disagree if you want, but guess what? I'll, I'll tend to land with things that are a net positive for society, not a net negative. And so up on screen, I have a video of uh, obviously an anti-COVID mandate, vaccine mandate protest going on in the Oklahoma state capitol. And uh, people are cheering, you know, USA, USA, whatnot. Extremely peaceful. You know, these are the same people that, that caused the insurrection, you know, that are burning the entire government buildings down and they're just standing there all peacefully. So I wonder how the media is going to react to that. So a big crowd of protesters take to the Oklahoma State Capitol to protest against uh, vaccine mandates. Normally when the left takes these protests in government buildings, it turns into riots and mass evacuations. And the reason why I said that is because if you type in BLM City Hall riot, you're going to get a bunch of articles. Police in riot gear clear New York City's Occupy City Hall. Dozens arrested in New York City as cops protest clash outside City Hall. Seattle protesters take over City Hall. Demand mayor's resignation. Protesters break into Belling City Hall. Mayor rushed out for safety. You know, <laughs> and that 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 happens normally when whenever the, um, radical leftist groups tend to uh, go out there and 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 protest at government buildings. It usually turns into a mass riot and and an actual insurrection. Now I want to see what um, the mainstream media is saying about this uh, Oklahoma state. Capital protest. Let's see if they're calling it an insurrection. I, I hope not. Um, one article says hundreds protest mass mandates and COVID-19 vaccines during Oklahoma Freedom Rally. Hundreds protest against. Okay, just saying protest, protest, protest. Protesters oppose. Protesters gather. Okay, not bad, not bad, not bad. Let's let's see. Let's give it a day or two. Maybe we can check the, the chatter on the Twitter. Uh, let's see. I was typing 
vaccine protest. Maybe, uh, maybe the left sees this one and they're like, let's just bury this story because it seems uh, pretty, uh, yeah, I'm not really seeing much about it, which is like at all, like almost nothing about it on Twitter, which is kind of strange. Uh, maybe it's something they want to cover up. Man stabbed, reporter attacked at protests in L.A. City Hall. That's not right. A man was stabbed and a reporter was attacked by at a protest against vaccine mandates in the South Lawn of Los Angeles City Hall after a fight broke out between protesters and counter-protesters. So, so there's people going there to protest, to demand people to get forcefully vaccinated. Um, so, yeah. It, it, after after reading the summary, it's not as um wait wait correction virus outbreak anti vaccine rally story, a story published on August fourteenth about a protest against vaccine mandates in City Hall. The Associated Press egregiously reported the last name of the reporter who was attacked. His name is Frank. Whatever. <laughs> that was their correction. They spelt. This is the only time that the mainstream media does corrections. When they leave a T out of your last name by accident. Insane. And that, what is that? that? Is that the whole article? Let me, let me read this. It just says correction. It's just a correction of the story. It's not even an article there. Sorry. We accidentally... Acc- like, this is, everything is fine. Um, let's see what this is. It's a video playing on screen. Um, it looks like people standing there. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean... The thing is, whenever there's any one protest going on, it always results in counter-protesters showing up, and it always turns into a fight. Always. Usually, typically, when BLM is protesting and burning the city down, I don't think one time I saw a counter-protest at a leftist rally. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's always whenever the right is doing something, the left comes in to counter-protest, and that's when it turns of violence every single time a fight didn't break out the proud boys attacked them fix your headline after a fight broke out between the protest and the counter protest uh no we saw the video the anti-mask proud boy crossed the street and attacked the counter protesters i mean well where is that video because I, I didn't really see that there um so ap you can just follow up showing a link between the man stabbing an insurrectionist a coordinated activity he marched orange colors and armed bands I mean, come on, we, we, like, what, what, are the, what are these screenshots? I can't really see anything. Um, I would have to see the video, but uh, I'm not really seeing any video of anybody um, really doing anything unprovoked, if anything. Um, I mean, these people are the dredge of society regardless. Uh, let's see, this is the stabbing in slow motion. If you watch closely, you'll actually see that while the person stabbed continued to fight, even deployed mace against Antifa activists, blood started to drip into his purple shirt. I still don't think, I don't care what side you're on, I don't think that you should be um, stabbing people. Let's see, it's in slow motion. I can't tell who's who. I think he's got brass knuckles on. No, no, he doesn't. Maybe he does. He's punching him, he's whipping, he's beating the crap out of him, let's be real. Um... Somebody had blood in their purple shirt. Let's break this down. Let's break this down. Who got stabbed? I'm trying to figure this out, guys. I'm sorry if you're listening. Okay, they did some pepper spray. And then some guy just turned around and just punched a guy who was holding the camera. Like, I don't know why you would do that. Like, it's actually quite comical. He's just over here. And he just turns around. He's like, hey, you. 
I'm going to punch you. I mean, I don't know if he said anything or if he was acting threatening. Um, oh, wait. Was that Antifa guy with his knife? I think there's the knife right there. That looks like a knife in Antifa hand. This is a stab. Oh, it's by Ford Fisher. He, he usually reports pretty good. This is stabbing in slow motion. If you watch closely, you'll actually see that while the person what person stabbed continued the person stabs continues to fight after deploying mace against Antifa. Okay, let's see. I'm going to track that. Oh, there. Yep, Antifa had a knife. And there he is, and he just stabbed him. Okay, so Antifa stabs a protester who's protesting against mandatory vaccines. Plain and simple. That's exactly what happened. Oh, jeez. That, that's... that's that's what happened. That's probably that might be the new headline to this podcast. So Biden pulls troops from Afghanistan and Democrats whip up to his defense. And also I saw a bunch of stuff that the Taliban is taking back over almost immediately. The United States has spent nearly 20 years in Afghanistan. They're announcing on September 11th and a September 11th goal of withdrawal. Biden will be pushing troops, uh, pulling troops on August 31st. Candace Owens tweeted out Joe Biden's legacy will mirror LGBT. Uh, LBJ's, he'll be remember as uh, an avowed racist. Sorry, I'm burping. Avowed racist who cheated his way to the top, rapidly expanded the welfare state, and rather than in Vietnam, he'll be synonymous with the disaster in Afghanistan. Like Lyndon Johnson, Joe Biden will not run again. Biden defended his decisions by saying that if America didn't leave the region now, that they'll they'll be there indefinitely. Members of the Democratic Party, like Senator Chris Murphy, whipped, uh, whipped onto his side, claimed that another 30 to 50 years of fighting would change nothing. Staying one more year in Afghanistan means we'll stay forever because in 20 years of laborious training and equipment, the Afghan security forces had a little impact on the ability to fight, then another 50 years wouldn't change anything, Murphy proclaimed. Fox News reported the U.S. soldiers have departed. Taliban fighters have moved to reconquer the country at lightning speed. Half of Afghanistan's provincial capitals have fallen under the control of the religious zealots are closing in on the capital of Kabul. Biden says that he remains committed to the withdrawal, but this week ordered 3,000 U.S. soldiers back back to the country to help with an emergency evacuation of the U.S. embassy. Nancy Pelosi claims that the focus on Iran was greatly diverted efforts from the Taliban. Someone tweeted that Taliban might have uh, Kabul, but by the time Biden answers a single question about Afghanistan, the party closed ranks about the president and defended his choice despite its ramifications. Me personally, I don't even want to give my two cents when it comes to, I guess, foreign policy like this. I feel like there's too many moving parts. It's it's just too complicated. It's like on one hand, you kind of want to pull back because, uh, you, 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 you know, on one hand, you want to... Um, now, this is the thing. I'm always stuck in this double-edged sword situation. In my opinion, there's two or maybe even three ways to put America first. There is the one way you can put America first and, I guess, loosen your global influence uh, and your military influence on the rest of the world. That's one way you can put America first. But I think there's a net positive and a net negative to a situation like that. And I guess this is when it comes into, I guess, I try to make a case for globalism and, and, and colonization and imperialism in a way. 
But uh, hear me out because I still don't know the answer. I'm just speaking out loud. It's, it's, I'm, I'm doing some thought exercises. Maybe it'll help you guys open your mind. Maybe it'll help you guys think. But it's like if we pull back most of our stuff from foreign countries and most of our resources from foreign countries, I guess the net positive would be you get your people home. Net negative would be is you actually have a lower global influence and a lower global impact on the world. Now, what is the positive to having a global impact? What is the positive to having your military everywhere? What's the positive to even printing money and sending it to these other countries? You have a, a, a more of a global dominance. Well, you're, and, and that's kind of this World War III. It's, it's America, Russia, and China all fighting for this global influence. And I think we're pretty much one-on-one -on -one right now with China for the most part. And it's about fighting for this global influence using all these other countries, using the currencies, using all, all, everything at our disposable, disposal to have the superior overall global influence. Now, if we don't fight in this global influence war, China will win. That, that is without a doubt. If we pull everything back and recede back to America, let's just say hypothetically all these America first people want to pull us all back to America, close half the military bases, pull everybody back, stop sending money overseas. In, a, in reality, as awesome as that sounds, as much as I would love to do that, in reality, and I'm, I'm not saying one way is the right way or the other, I'm just saying what will happen. In reality, America would lose its global influence to China. China will start taking over more and more. The Chinese dollar will eventually become the global currency of the world. And the U.S. dollar will no longer become the global currency. It would, in fact, absolutely and utterly destroy the American economy, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You'll actually probably see inflation hit 10 times harder if we do such. Because at least if you're, if you're printing more money, but you're sending it over there and it's just being burnt or sitting in someone's account, whatever it is, at, at least that's a way of dispersing the money for inflation. And another devil's advocate thing is allowing illegal immigrations to come in also lowers the impact of inflation because more money gets spread out, also creating more consumers. And I'm, but I'm still against that. I'm just saying I think that's what the, the, why the left is doing it, to, to mask inflation, get more people in, help in, in, vote in Democrats. That's a whole other story we don't have to get into. But, you know, it, it's, it's a very difficult situation when you're dealing with foreign policy because— there's two ways you can put America first. One, pull everything back and actually have America become less of a superpower than it ever was. And, be, and it will actually, in fact, hurt the American economy in the long run. Or you keep this imperialistic uh, global mindset. And, you know, I, I, maybe I got this idea because I've played so many of those uh, strat strategical war games like Empire Earth, Age of Empires. And if you want your civilization to succeed, succeed, you obviously need to keep expanding, uh, you know, go to different lands, take more resources, um, I guess from a more imperial standpoint, and I guess this is probably a little bit more outdated, you'll go blow up a neighboring country, take all their stuff, build your civilization where theirs are, and you become even stronger and stronger and stronger, and then you can take out uh, the number two or the number one enemy, and you guys go to war. Um, and whoever comes out on top comes out on top. Uh, maybe going to the war situation and blowing up people's you know, cities is a little outdated. I would say a lot outdated. 
But, I mean, you don't have to always do that through blowing them up. You can always do that through you acquiring your influence, um, you know, influencing the country to the point where you're, you're, you have more power over the country and you're controlling it more and you have access to the resources in order to benefit yourself. So there are multiple ways to put America first. And unfortunately, I think it's the, the one that leans more towards the evil way of doing things is the better way of putting America first. But there might be also a way to do it where it's not so evil and you can actually help out the rest of the world. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm, I'm just doing some thought-provoking questions out loud, hopefully getting people think. But all I know is at the end of the day, some of the stuff these globalists are doing isn't all completely bad, although I may not even support it still. Here's the thing. Like, don't say you're a globalist. You're, you're being paid by the Democrats to secretly convert us into globalists. No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Literally just thinking out loud, weighing pros and cons, weighing morality. Still don't know the answer to it. And it's probably one of those things that I'll never have an answer to because I understand both sides of it so perfectly well. Although I do think a lot of these globalists in power, in charge, especially these Democrats, do have evil secret agendas. Um, but if, if, you're, if you're not looking at things from an evil agenda side and what can be a net positive or a net negative to the country, I think... It's, it's something that I think warrants a lot of conversation around, and it's a type of conversation I definitely want to see more, especially maybe I'll have somebody come in, and we'll do a one-on-one show and, and not make it a debate, make it a conversation, someone who knows more, someone who I can have come in and, and just you know say, hey, like you know, you know what's going on, you know what the cause and effect is, I'll, I'll probably do that. I, I think I know somebody I can invite over. Anyway, guys, thank you for watching. Please don't forget to like, subscribe to the most occasions on new video every single day. So please subscribe. Go listen to the full episode of this show, the Joey Saladino Show on all the podcast apps. Go right there right now and subscribe. Peace out.